Welcome to Lawler Out Loud, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Christy Lawler, and this podcast focuses on highlighting the amazing men and women that make a difference in the world. And we hope to prove that every single person has the power to make a difference and make an impact. Today's guest is Angelica Savi. First, let me thank you, Angelica, for joining us today to share your story and your experiences and your ideas. I'm so appreciative to have you here. Oh, well, thank you. I am just thrilled to be on this podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm so glad that you're like, you wanted to do this because <laughs> this is so exciting because you, you're one of those really, like, like we talked about, you're one of those really unique people that like had the big job, left the industry, started a family and then came back because you found yourself with two loves. And you couldn't necessarily depart from either one of them. So I'm really excited, not only that you're a mom to a beautiful <laughs> baby girl, but also that you're back with us in the industry. Well, I, you really can't leave. I mean, once it's in your soul, you just, you're stuck. And I, I purposefully always kept a foot in <laughs> just so I could never really leave. Absolutely. It's part of the bloodline, really. It really is. Yeah. So let's, um, I would love for you to just kind of illustrate a little bit about your personal history. And it can be anything from your childhood, your education, what you're doing now, personal history, anything, honestly. What makes you, you? Well, I was born on a farm. I was actually raised on a farm. I was born in Cleveland. I was raised on a farm. But um, most of my childhood, I remember chores and farm life and horses and cows and goats. Um, my 4-H project was milking a goat. So um, <laughs> I, I, have, I, have, I have a sincere infinity affinity for um, animals. And um, so if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see always like chickens and dogs and goats. And my parents have um, these Highland cattle that have like four foot uh, horns. They're just amazing. Oh my gosh. But um, yeah, so we grew up around animals and I actually went to Ohio State to be a vet. And that lasted like a semester because then once I saw like the rest of the world and I started working in a restaurant, I mm. learned that there was a lot more than living on a farm. The business got so, their hooks in. <laughs> yeah, you know, but it was so exciting. And um, I was so fortunate. I, um, I just always feel like I'm in the right place at the right time with the right knowledge. And right when I graduated college, I was offered... Um, a, a bar manager position at the restaurant where I was bartending and serving. And I, I dug in, like I, um, I wanted to be the best bar manager ever because I wanted to prove to my boss that he made the right decision because I really had to beg for that job. Yeah. And um, I, I studied my butt off. I was Googling at 2 a.m. and I told, came upstairs and told my husband, I'm going to be a sommelier. He was like, Wow. How do you even know that That's word? That's so ambitious. And I'm like, I just Googled it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, within, you know, a couple months of them giving me the position, I, I had signed up to do my introductory with the court. And um, I, you know, at that point I was hooked and um, I, I've only taken it to the certified. I took the advanced once mm -hmm. and was completely humbled by the experience. And <laughs> um <laughs> I put that on the side for a minute, but you know, it's, um, it's the industry, it's the people, it's the travel, it's, um, you know, it's a lot of time away from your family and it's, it's a big commitment, but it was the best 
the best career path I could have possibly never, you know, set forth for myself ahead of time. (laughs) You know, you just, you follow the opportunities and you follow your gut and, um, and that's what I did. So, um, you know, I'm like this, I'm back on a farm. I, I yeah, I was going to say that. Land. Yeah, live on one now. <laughs> so yeah, I went do, back I do. to your roots. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you know, because I really wanted when, when my husband and I decided I turned 40 and we decided at that point, it's either now or never to have a baby. So um, I decided I wanted her to kind of have that kind of um, childhood that I had yeah. and growing up with the freedom to run freely outside and yeah, that's a magical um, thing. Animals and yeah. Yeah. So um, we bought this beautiful piece of property in Ohio and, um, and kind of settled in a little bit. That's just so incredible. So much of what you're saying like resonates with me and it mirrors my (laughs) own story. Like my first bar management job was from being a bartender in college and all of a sudden I had to do mixology and mixology wasn't even a word in the nineties. <laughs> so I had to create yeah. a beverage menu and I didn't know how to do that. And they're like, well, you have no pour cost and no liquor cost. And it, it, there's really no barriers. So just create a menu. And I'm like, Oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I've been a bartender at Red Lobster. <laughs> like, I can make a really good lobsterita. <laughs> and it That's was crazy. Amazing. But it was really fun. And I was figuring out how mm-hmm. to light drinks on fire and everything. And it was really fun. But it was one of those things where I didn't go to school to learn this. But I fell into it. And I, then I fell in love with it. And then I ended up pursuing a career in it. Because it, it does. It really gets the, its hooks inside of you. So how did you... I want to know, like, I always ask people where they found their inspiration, like how they discovered it. So I want to know how you discovered that milking people for tips was better than milking goats. (laughs) Um, Do you like that parallel? (laughs) I do. I do. So, um, you know, it's much less invasive, first of all, (laughs) to milk people for tips. Let's hope so. um... Good God. (laughs) But I was actually a terrible server. I was um, like, because I was very, I was more interested in how people said things and, you know, the dynamics at the table. Like I used to love like people watching and like judging from a distance of, you know, trying to guess like what people's lives are like. Yeah. So I would walk away from a table with an order, but I would completely forget about what I was supposed to be doing next because I would be thinking about the people. So um, it took me a while to make money as a server because I, I had to go back to focusing on, you know, the task at hand. <laughs> they wanted a diet but, um, Coke, not nice tea. <laughs> <laughs> but I was also very clumsy as a child. So I remember calling... I remember calling my mom with when I first got my first server job and she was like, Oh, sweetie. She's like, I don't think you should do that job. You spill everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I proved them wrong. You know, I did it. I I became successful at it. But, um, but I think, (laughs) sorry, no, I know. And then, and then here I am pouring really expensive wines at the end of the day. Right. (laughs) Oh my God, girl. I once dropped a dirty knife down the back of a guy's coat, like his tux. 
when I was a banquet <laughs> server and I was clearing a table and a, a dirty knife like slipped off my tray and went right oh down gosh. the back of this gentleman's jacket. And it was like a $2,500 per plate dinner. <laughs> and I was like, oh God, I'm so low rent right now. <laughs> Oh, that's when you just, you put the tray down and you walk away. Like, I just, this is Yeah, I was just like, I was like, I just like bent over in my skirt and my heels and my pantyhose and like slyly picked it up off the floor and just kept moving. And I was like, oh, no, no, nobody dropped anything. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I can totally relate. Oh. Yeah. yeah so that's funny yeah. so and my family still teases me today they're just like remember when you couldn't even pour soda at the table like, yeah I remember yeah <laughs> yeah it's genetic I don't know if your daughter is clumsy but my oldest son is very clumsy he gets it from his mother yeah well she hopefully there's something she doesn't get from me because um <laughs> it's she's already like a tornado in the house so <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah, but that's fun. Yeah. So where did you, so how did you, like, it, it was just the, the, the love of, like, interacting with people. That was what did it for you, like, got you to, like, change course? Um, yeah, well, you know, I finally graduated Ohio State with a degree in political science, and my original thought was that I was going to, like, travel the world and work in some embassies somewhere in the world. And I always thought that sounded amazing. But at the same time, I met my husband, who um, he's from Morocco. He had just gotten his citizenship about two years before we met. And he just said, you know what? I just got my citizenship. I don't want to go live somewhere else in the world. So it kind of, um, it changed my course on that regards, but in such a great way, because it let me accept that I really loved working in the restaurant. So, yeah. um, you know, before then it was always in the back of my mind that that wasn't what I was going to do, but once it was kind of taken off the table, it, it opened up, you know, I just said, okay, I'm going to lean into this. It made sense and I was good at it and I enjoyed it. And my husband's a chef. So, um, you know, we both worked in the industry and, um, and really put our hearts and souls into it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming home to, we we understood what each other was experiencing at work and it wasn't you know I I know a lot of um a lot of relationships that have ended when one person works in that industry and one doesn't because it's the hours and the commitment and um and it takes a lot out of you so um you know I had just such a great support from my husband in pushing me forward with with following that passion and and trying to create a career out of it which um I'm not sure that I um, would have been able to do it so effortlessly if I didn't have his support along the way. Yeah. Oh, but, no, um, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. Yeah. I, and I, I do feel for people who um, who feel like the pressure on the other side from the, from their spouses who don't support the hours and, you know, the missing the holidays and, yeah. um, you know, the long weekends and whatnot. So, um, and it's hard. I mean, it's got to be hard on spouses who um, would like to have normal family life and they can't because their, their spouses are, you know, in it, in, in it hardcore. Yeah. And um, it's probably a little bit of a blessing in disguise for some people right now during this time where they actually do have their spouses at home. Um, you know, and yeah. it's like, kind of like a careful what you wish for, you know, now they're home, but you know, it's such yeah. a hard time for people. 
Yeah, it's definitely hard for the adults. Yeah. How how are your boys handling being home? You know, that's a really good question. They love it. <laughs> yeah. <good. laughs> um, they're seven and five. This is, I mean, they are in one perpetual ditch day. So <laughs> they're happy. My husband is taking on all of the schooling for them mm-hmm. so that I can continue to work. And that's awesome because he just retired from 23 years of military service on oh, January wow. 1st. So this is actually kind of perfect timing, mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is not the retirement that he had planned I'm either. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure. He was, he had a list of projects he was going to take on and now he's like teaching school until noon every day. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's very, it's very different than what either of us had pictured, but at the same time, you know, we've never spent more time as a family than we have in these past, um, what, six weeks now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Five weeks? I don't know. It's been a while. Um, the days blur. I often mm-hmm. wake up and have no idea what day <laughs> it is. Um, and that's a thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely kind of weird, like this whole thing. But we were talking about this Friday on our weekly webinar that we're doing for Witty on the Web now. And a lot of the parents are worried that their kids are going to have negative experiences because of all of this. And, you know, the person that was coaching us through everything had a really good point. She's like, you might be putting your frustrations with this situation onto your kids. You might be rejecting it because Hmm. your kids have never had more time with their parents. They've never spent more time in their home, not running from place to place or sport to sport. And this is just kind of a long vacation for them. So the kids will be okay. Like, honestly, that was a really good point. I think the only kids that are really suffering are the high school seniors that are missing out on what they've worked for for their entire lives. No prom, no graduation. But, you know. They'll get something, I'm sure. I mean, the schools are all working on something, but yeah, the, the young kids—they're just—they're just happy as clams. <laughs> I'm sure your daughter is loving all the extra time with you guys. Oh gosh, yeah, we're just waiting for the weather to turn so we can be outside more because that's where she wants to be. Oh, I, you have animals. I can <laughs> we do we do and all of our animals she calls ducks right now so um, she sees the chick- <laughs> she'll see the chickens outside and she starts yelling ducks and gets her boots and she wants to go out there but it's uh we've had snow <laughs> this last week so uh, um, we're, we're still we're still waiting on uh, some nice weather and so we can spend all the time outside that she wants to be out there yeah yeah I get it so I want to like kind of switch gears a little bit because Mm -hmm. where you are working right now is an emerging company, a emerging concepts, restaurant concepts. Mm -hmm. They're not yet. I mean, they're working on brick and mortar, but you're doing all of this legwork ahead of the game and amidst a crisis. So I'm kind of curious as to how, how that works. Like, what is your day like right now? So it's very interesting. So I work on a very small team with uh, my boss, who is a, a co-founder, and a, he acts as our CFO. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I head up everything operations. We have a chef that we're working with and, and then one girl who does, she's really great at like creative design and she does a lot of admin work with us. So it's really just the four of us and we are wow. wearing all the hats. So we oh. are managing the, the general contractor who's doing our first build out, um, you know, working with the architect, we're actually in the midst of adjusting some design of the restaurant to accommodate what we're assuming is going to be heavier carry out when once we open than we previously yeah. anticipated just because the current atmosphere, I think, is actually teaching people that they do like eating at home and getting their carry out food. And we don't know how many restrictions there are going to be on restaurants, even once the economy opens back up. So we're just trying yeah. to plan ahead for all of that. But um, we're definitely getting familiar with the technology that's available for groups to, to network and work uh, virtually and remotely. And um, Which is easy with a team of four. It is, yeah. Um, my local liquor store guy thinks I have a problem, but I'm still doing... <laughs> creation but I'm doing it from home so um he's like wow what is your you're stocking up huh and I'm like well yeah it's uh you know social distancing (laughs) you know it's hard to explain that you're doing you know cocktail ideation at home and um but it's um you know it's it's so such a blessing to um I my coworkers and I talk about how we're probably some of the luckiest people in the restaurant industry right now, because we actually don't have any restaurants in operations at the moment. So we didn't have to shut anything down. All we really had to do was modify how we conducted our day. Um, Mm. We will be delayed a little bit with opening just because some of the manufacturers of our products and, and building materials and stuff are um, they're shut down at the moment. So we'll be slightly delayed, but um, any inconvenience to us is just, paled in comparison to what other people are going through in the industry so um so you know we definitely understand how fortunate we are and we are humbled by this experience and we um we we feel for people in the industry and what they're going through right now and the the numbers coming out are just staggering of how many restaurants don't don't think well they'll even open again so um you know we're plugging along we have five concepts in creation that we um, hope to open by March of next year, you know, if, if everything goes well. And, yeah. um, and they're spanning fast food to fine dining and everything in between. And um, we have an amazing founder in our company who is, uh, he's a visionary and he really enjoys um, throwing a lot of ideas out there and seeing which ones are going to stick. And, it's really fun. Um, I I get to do some really fun things with cocktails that I never got to do before. Like I just um, I'm ordering a um, this bubble flavor infuser for cocktails, <laughs> which um, it's it's cool. Like it just creates like this giant bubble on top of your drink. And oh yeah, pops that it. thing is it, really cool. I'm so excited! I can't wait for it to come in. It's coming from the UK, so um, you know, and I've it might take a while. Back- <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> well, whenever it gets here, I'm so excited. But you know, right? my background know. is in steakhouses and fine dining, and um, and you know, buttoned up um, the casual, uh, fine casual. So it's like mm-hmm. I never got to play with some of those things where they either thought it was going to be too labor intensive. It didn't or... fit the demographic. 
it didn't no but yeah I, I could have at least played with it <laughs> you know but You're no so, so we're really we're taking the time to um not just do things because they're cool or fun but because it really makes sense and it adds to the experience and um I'm just I'm so excited for at least this first concept to open which is called the last page it's um and it's a cocktail heavy restaurant so um it'll be like all of all of my drinks and everything on display but it's also got that's a back so exciting uh, yeah I'm so excited about it and um I'm hoping some of the next ones down the line are going to be a little bit more wine focused, but this one has definitely been keeping my creative juices going with um, moving oh, yeah. cocktails around. Well, um, so what is your target opening date? We're hoping now to be open by Labor Day. Oh my God. Okay. That's yeah, a really so- aggressive timetable though, to launch five concepts by March of next year. <laughs> I mean, you and I know the national world. I mean, it, it takes mm-hmm. a while to open some restaurants. Um, yeah. But five concepts with varying degrees of programming on the food and beverage side. That's, that's quite the undertaking. I'm impressed. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, we're, we're a little impressed too. We're, but, um, you know, um, having the right leadership, I think, has really been helpful. We've built out, before we did anything, we built out a framework of how we would do any restaurant moving forward and mm-hmm. create menus and everything. So um, as we have the concept idea in place, we just drop it into our framework and we can move forward without having to rebuild the wheel every single time. So yeah. um, we definitely um, took the time to put things in place in the beginning so we can move quickly on other things moving forward. So, That's so smart um, though. You have time right now to really mm-hmm. strategize. And oh, think yeah. so far outside of the box that you're building your own. And yeah, that's and it's, really exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting. And, um, and to have a leader who really has never owned or done anything in the restaurant industry to put this faith in us to be able to execute these visions that he's had is really cool, too. So um, we're, we're just excited to, to see that some of these visions come to life. Yeah. Well, he's probably hired for strategy, like find the people that are strong where you're not so that you can turn your ideas into something tangible through the talents of others. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of a core principle. Um, But it sounds like that's exactly what he's done. Like craft a, a small team that can work in a million different directions Correct. so that he can think. That's really cool. Um, so I wonder if um, you have, because we met when you worked at the Palm. You were my buyer when I was selling Jaeger. Not exactly a fit for the Palm either, um, but still we were on the menu. Um, mm-hmm. I, so I'm curious, I mean, going from there where that's such a different environment. And I was a Palm customer because we did a lot with Casamigos too, obviously. Um, But it was, it's such a different scope and dynamic from where you are now. So I'm wondering if you have an example of like a professional or a personal experience, either one, where it was a negative time or a negative experience and you, you turned it into a positive 
memory or a learning experience that you've taken something good out of it? Um, yeah. Um, so palm, the palm will always have a special place in my heart because I mean, it, it was so storied and, mm-hmm. um, I, I really hope that under, you know, Landry's management that, um, they're able to maintain that heart and the soul that was in there. And I know that, that they're focused on doing that. And, um, a lot of my friends who are still there are very optimistic under the new management, but mm-hmm. what I learned under the old management was um, how it's only in my head to be a girl at a man's table. So um, I remember mm-hmm. one of my first meetings um, with all of all of the the heads there, which were there were a lot of men and they're powerful, strong men. Um, but some of them were like the um, old New York, you know, like the, there's just no BS, like <laughs> yeah. just say what's on your mind, stop beating around the bush. Like, let's just get it out on the table. And I was used to being so polite and so cordial. And I was raised to um, wait my turn and, and don't speak out of turn. And, you know, it was um, it, my first meeting with, with all of them at the table I was so nervous. And finally, my boss, um, he looked at me and he said, if you don't have anything to say, you don't belong at this table. So I, I started speaking, I, I, I spoke up and um, I just remembered like, that was like such a great moment for me. And it was such a like defining moment in, in my career of just get out of your own way. You know, just if you have something to say, say it. Or for real, like you don't belong at the table. And um, ever since then, you know, I never really um, got intimidated at the table when it was the the men in the suits at the table and, yeah. and then me. So, yeah. um, and, and, you know, I, fortunately, I had this amazing boss who saw that in me and said, you need to speak. Um, because I, I feel like a lot of women might just... Um, kind of pull away and feel like it wasn't appropriate. Oh yeah, because that can be an intimidating conversation. <laughs> yeah, 100 percent Especially especially, you know, some of the people sitting at that table had had been there for 35 years working for the palm. And I didn't want to insult them by saying that they had been doing something wrong or I disagreed with how they yeah. did something. So um you know, that was, that was a really big takeaway for me from, yeah. from the palm was, you know, if, if you're sitting at the table, you deserve to be there and you need to speak up. Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely understand that. I've been in those situations as well, where I was like, oh, okay, maybe I don't <laughs> belong, but then I'm here. So might as well fake it until I make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <I had> a <sighs> <little pie. laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, and that's a really, really interesting perspective that you mentioned, because I've often felt like, yeah, that was totally in my head. And then other times I've, I've, it's been very clear that it was not in my head. It was, it was a thing. Um, But there is a, there is a very subtle difference in that dynamic that you have to pick up on, especially as, as a female sitting at the table when you're surrounded by older male colleagues. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where you can allow yourself to be intimidated. That's all in your head, but it's not easy to reconcile that. <laughs> no, no. Sure. And, and I feel like a lot of times, 
it it was either my own perception or um, or things had happened negatively to my friends. And I just assumed that that was what was happening to me at the time too, yeah. where, you know, sometimes we just have to take a chance and, mm-hmm. and feel like, you know, trust ourselves and trust mm-hmm. what's in our heads and, and just go for it. Absolutely. And that, that level of clarity comes at different points in everybody's trajectory too. Like yeah. some people get it when they're 20. Some people don't get it like me until they're 40. <laughs> <laughs> you know but everybody's I, journey I is different I do I do I'm always in awe of people who have this audacity to just say it and just say what's on their head and what's in their head and and go for it and like they'll just handle the consequences later and um it it just makes me just stand in awe of those people because I just have always had this um buffer of a moment of pause that that pulls me back like okay should you do that shouldn't you do that so no I love it that's I love called it. the governor <laughs> <laughs> and I admire people who have one that's still working I feel like mine walked off the job when I was three or four years old <laughs> <laughs> because it just falls oh, out funny. of my face <laughs> all the words <laughs> all the thoughts they just come flying out and I'm just like oh yeah, I really need to learn how to control that or at least control my expression. Yeah, still haven't mastered that trick. Um, so I, I'm going to give you a compliment and say that you're very involved <laughs> because you've managed to tackle that demon. Um, and for oh. some of it is, for some of us, it is actually a demon. Uh, it doesn't always work in your favor. But um, <laughs> I wonder if um, if you, do you, do you feel like you have any regrets, anything that you would go back and change or do differently? So, I mean, yeah, I have, I have regrets, but I think the, my biggest one professionally is that whenever I've made a decision to change course, especially in careers, I've kind of made that decision on my own without going to my mentors because I was Mm. always afraid that they would talk me out in that. I feel like I, Mm. I've hurt some feelings you know, along the way, because here is this person who built me up and really gave me guidance along the way. And then when I went to make a big decision, I didn't involve them. But it was really because I was afraid mm. that that they would talk me out of it. Which probably nine times out of 10. Was that your own so. internal? So. Um, and I think yeah. mostly because most of the decisions I've made have always been like a gut feeling. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. the, some of the most successful things I've done, I, I didn't tell anybody I was going to do them first. <laughs> I just did it. So, um, you know, I, and yeah. I just think I was afraid that, you know, somebody would tell me to go a different direction. And I had in my, in my heart that this is what I wanted to do. So um, I feel like I disrespected my mentors a little bit by actually respecting their opinion too much, <laughs> you know, because I, uh, yeah, no, no. But what if you would, what if you'd asked and listened and then done something differently? That right. would have been worse, yeah, right? Because so. that's always been my, my stop. Like when I'm thinking like, I want to, I want to do this, but I think everybody's going to think I'm crazy. It's because if they tell me I shouldn't, and then I do it anyway, I don't want to be that person that's like, yeah, I totally respect you. And I totally fucking, yeah. <laughs> <advice."> 
right, do right. I just don't want to hurt people's feelings like that. So I get where you're coming from completely. And that's a really good answer to that question. I like that. But always trust your gut. Do yeah, what you, know, do it's, you it's, always, right? It's I mean, worked that's pretty kind well of along the way. But I, I do know that I've, I've burned a couple of great uh, mentor mentor slash friendships along the way too because at honestly I, you know what and oh, I, I sorry. have um I have apologized and tried to reconcile but um you know I think when you build that mentor mentee relationship like they they yeah. really feel like they kind of um not own part of your success but they they want to they want to be part of it and I think I robbed that of some people so that that's probably my big regret mm. You know, you should probably just call them and talk to them about it. If you're still feeling that way, you probably have some unresolved and they might not feel that way. You might be surprised. You're probably right. I don't know. Could be. They probably aren't hanging on to it. You are because of your feelings about it, but they may not be. I don't uh, know. Yeah. Could be something. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. We got time, right? <laughs> we'll, some we'll work through this. <laughs> Just call this the I Dr. Christie podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I want to know, um, tell, and this is my weirdo, rando, oddball question, but what would you want the listening audience to know about you? Um, good question. And actually, when you sent me these questions earlier, that was the one where I was like, hmm, what would I want people to know about me? I think no matter where my career takes me, I, I really want to always make sure that I have my ties in the industry. Um, and not, not just because our industry comes with alcoholic beverages. Um, but you know, it's, um, there's just Mm -hmm. such, there's so many amazing people who are so open to sharing their, their knowledge and their ideas and their friendship and, um, you know, nobody gets into this industry because they're a recluse and they don't want to talk to people like they're super friendly people. And I, I really, um, like you said earlier, you know, I took a step away, but I miss it so much. I, um, I really enjoy the industry because of the people that come with it and, and then the beverages and, you know, the, the creation of the, um, the cocktails and all of that along with it. But the, I think the most important thing is people that come with yeah. the industry. And um, I think that if you're, if you follow along in the industry, I'll always pop up somewhere because I'm never going to go away. Right. <laughs> so many of us are like that. It's, it's cause you've built a network mm-hmm. of friends, like actual friends, like people that you can count on and, and, and talk to no matter what, no matter where you go, where you land, it's, it's a network of friends. And, you know, we've curated these relationships over years mm-hmm. or cultivated them or whatever. And it's one of those things where if you left, you'd be, you'd still be friends with them, but it'd be so different. Like you wouldn't get to talk about stuff all the time in yeah. the same way. Be different. It'd be hard. Um, so that's a, I like that answer. It's a really good answer. And for the record, there's no <laughs> wrong answer to that question. Um, but finally, before we sign off, before I let you go, um, how do you want people to reach you if they want to learn more about you or what you're doing or just talk to you? 
Um, how do you want people um, to reach out? Anybody can email me. Um, it's my first and last name at gmail.com. Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and, um, I'm, I'm an open book usually. So, um, any, anybody has any kind of questions, I'm happy to answer and I'm happy to, um, engage and make more friends and, um, yeah, happy, happy to discuss anything along the way. Awesome. I'll be sure to put all of your links to your social media profiles into your bio as well. So people can click and, and find you that way. Um, so <laughs> oh, thank you. you. Thank you for your time and for all of this. It's been a great oh, conversation. I really, I really enjoyed you it. reaching out and giving me, you know, a little bit of your time here too. And for the Dr. Christie <laughs> segment there, I will have to let you know how that goes. <laughs> Yeah, let me know. It'll be curious. Um, I'm just, I just, I don't know anything about it. So I'm just like, no, I'd call him. Because again, yeah. no yeah. governor. <laughs> but thank you so much for your time. And thank you all for tuning in to Lawler Out Loud, Mixing Up the Mainstream.